Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Welcome to Dan's Talks. I have as guest today is John Sargent, a a journalist and novelist uh, who has republished a book that's just come out called Turning Pages. And uh, uh, tell tell us a little bit about the book. Okay, so... uh... I've, I spent uh, 40 years as a uh, publisher, and the book is an attempt to take all the best stories of that time, and by just telling the best stories, uh, let that uh, sort of be a, a memoir form, but not have the stuff in the middle that's sort of the boring stuff. So trying to make it only the exciting parts. You could do the pictures in the middle. Well, I do have pictures in the middle. <laughs> Well, and and this is from what you what I've read. This is a very unique book. It's not just a, a incidents. It's incidents involving people who want to get published or you want to publish, and who may or may not have sent something in that you like or or not over as a sort of referee for what publishing company was it? Uh, Macmillan. There you go. One of the one of the greats. So there must be all kinds of stories, gifts, no doubt. One of the <laughs> one of the one of the um, fascinating things about publishing is when people, you know, who have sort of uh, stature in the world or whatever, want to publish a book. They often uh, try for the largest advance, and there's a process that happens where they come in to see you for an hour, and oh. they tell you uh, everything that they want you to know to to have you be interested in their book so there's a there's sort of a jumping off place to have interesting conversations and some of those lead to no some there's a lot a lot of famous people some lead to no stories at all and the only ones who are in this are when there's a story that comes out of it and that's usually when when we actually publish them or something remarkable happens in the course of the hour and a half, you talk about their life and everything they've uh, done to date. Something odd occasionally does happen. Give me an example of both of those one at a time. Okay. I'll give you the... <laughs> I I had an odd meeting. It, it wasn't actually... Uh, it was an advice meeting. Occasionally, you get asked by people you know to advise their famous clients on writing books. And so I was asked to, to talk to Michael Jackson about uh, what it would take to write a book. And I had this remarkable time with him that was made remarkable uh, at, <laughs> at the end when uh, the guy I was with was our marketing director. He was a really big guy. And I mean, a big guy. And so I started, I was a big Michael Jackson fan. And, and I just started you know, toward the end of the meeting, we just started to talk and we're having a good time. And I asked him about, you know, to do the dancing that he did. I said, 
how flexible do you have to be? And were you born with that flexibility? So he starts to talk about how flexible he is. And, and John, the marketing guy, he's sitting on the couch and he's this big guy. And he said, well, I'm really flexible. And Michael turned and looked at him and say, really? <laughs> and he said, yeah. He said, I can put my head, I can put my foot behind my head. And I looked at Michael and, and I said, Michael, I don't know about you. I'd like to see that. Would you like to see that? And Michael goes, go, oh, yes. And he gets all pumped up. And uh, he actually jumps up out of his chair. And so, by God, John, the marketing guy, sits there, takes his foot and puts it over his head and behind his neck. And Michael, Michael was so excited by just seeing that. I mean, he was just, he was like jumping up and down. It was just a fantastic little yeah. tiny moment. And so that's, you know, that's a page, that's like a page and a half in the book, right? It's just a little, it's a little sort of piece of magic that happened. How many pages are there then? Uh, with the photo insert acknowledgements all in, it's uh, close to 300 pages, but the actual reading is 260. What's an example of the other? The other I request. Oh, the other, the other. Uh, I won't tell the the whole story because it's very, very long and 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 fascinating. But when I first went to Simon and Schuster, uh, Dick Snyder did a deal with the Duchess of York uh, to do kids books, and what that turned into was a five year sort of they call it a relationship of with uh with sarah and you know going over i had i have to go over and uh go to the buckingham palace for author meetings and she coming here and what that was like you know when she was at the peak of her infamy not her fame but her infamy it was when they were calling her you know big fat fergie in the press and and when it was i mean it was nasty Yes, it was. And to sort of be with her through that stuff it was fat was fascinating. Yeah. How did she handle it, I guess? Well, I tell you, I, I like her an awful lot. Uh, <laughs> she 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 can be difficult all that short. Boy, she got a she got a short straw, you know. The 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 situation that she was put into was extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. Uh, and you know, she worked hard. She really did. She yeah. worked really hard to make her books work and she didn't put on airs and, and all that stuff, you know. Um, I'm not sure if it was her, but I, I think I remember her writing about how difficult it was to get to the other part of the palace in the middle of the night for food. If you want a snack? It was like a big deal. I actually went to her apartment in the palace. Yeah. It was, it, you know, it's a fantastic thing. You know, you walk down this hallway that's like, uh, these huge portraits of, you know, former kings and queens going down one side in this big wide hallway and these huge arch windows. It's, oh. it's the front of Buckingham Palace that looks out over the, the parade grounds and the fountain and all that. And you walk down the length of it and, and, you know, suddenly there's a door and, you know, knock on the door, take <laughs> it in and it's her apartment. 
You know, it's wild. Wow. What was uh, the most successful book that you signed on to do and then did? It depends on on how you measure success, which is... It's in books sold. Okay, for books sold, uh, again, front list or back list, right? So uh, the there's books that sell forever and there's books that sell fast up front. And the, and the one that sold the fastest up front was Fire and Fury by Michael Wolff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Donald Trump st- tried to stop the publication of it, uh, yeah. if you remember that, but that, that was selling at its, its peak was selling, I don't know, it was, I think it was 23,000 copies an hour on Amazon at its peak. That book, as I recall, was about him showing up at the White House with unannounced and just wandering around the halls for days without anybody knowing why he was there. It's just it's true. It's, it's just true. He got, he got put in. He got put in the, you know, I tell the whole story about how that happened, right? And he got authorization to go in there. And there was so much chaos that nobody knew who had approved him to go in. Yeah. And nobody asked him to sign documents. Nothing. The right. guy just, he hung out in there for 200 days. Like, <laughs> the White House. And not in just the White House, in the West Wing. And, you know, did he, did he sleep there or did he have no, to? No, no, to... they gave him a place to sit. And, oh. and the, the guy had a, t- everybody said, you know, oh, how much of that was, you know, true and made up. The guy had a tape recorder. People were happy to go on tape with. So how did he present himself as a, a journalist who was wanted to act? How did, how did he get past the people? Or were there no people that he had to get past? <laughs> he, just, he, he was a journalist and everybody knew he was a journalist. And in those in those early years, uh, the early years, early days of the Trump White House, do you remember that the, the level of chaos was extreme? Yes. And there were these different warring power factions, which is probably always true in the beginning of an administration. But in this case, you could see it all happening, right? Because everybody's leaking to the press and there were all these things. And Michael was just in the middle of it. Everyone he talked to knew he was a journalist. He didn't try to pull any of that sort of, hey, you know, this is, you know, I'm just a guy here. He told them it was for a book. What was when what was the book that uh has sold the most over time besides the Bible. If I had to, I, I, it, there, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of contenders and I never, I never looked at that. Right. I never looked at accumulated sales, but you know, we have a book, Chicka Chicka Boom Boom, which is a children's book. Uh, oh, that, I know that book. Yeah. yeah. And, and that just, it keep it, it has sold since its first day and keeps selling. And that was when I was at Simon and Schuster, I was probably, uh, I published that book. I was 31 years old. So that's 30. It's been selling for all these years. And I got to imagine it sold millions and millions and millions of copies. And and there's a there's a book like Ender's Game, which I wasn't there to when it was published, but I was there for the, you know, the all the anniversary editions and all of that. That's so God, that sold a ton. Um, there's, a, there, there's a lot of yeah, Atul Gawande's Being Mortal sells a a, a lot every year that sells a ton of books. So there's a lot of them, you know, the Jordan wheel of time series of books, 13 books that that's all the time. So there's, you know, hard to know, I guess is my answer. How, how did, um, how many years were you pub, uh, publisher at Macmillan? Uh, I was the CEO for 24 years. 
It's a long time. Yeah. And and how long? Uh, and you retired when? How long ago? Uh, two and a half years. And probably the next day started writing this book. <laughs> no, no, it took it, it. It was a little while. I wrote it. Started. I wrote it. I had a. Uh, I had a great grandfather who wrote it. He was a publisher, and he wrote a book for his family. And I thought I had some free time. I thought maybe I'll do that. And what happened is, when I, it was announced that I was leaving, and then I thought, what will I give to the people at Macmillan uh, to say goodbye? And I thought I would do a bunch of stories and I would tell them stories that if they read all the stories together and they thought about it, it would define the culture of the company. So I chose things that happened that were representative of why it was a special place to work. And that got me writing those stories and I enjoyed writing them. And then I thought, well, now I can do the ones for the kids too. And, and uh, use some of the ones I wrote for the company, use a few of them. Uh, and then that just sort of went from there. And, and initially I wasn't going to be published. And then people really encouraged me to go ahead and publish it. And I thought, well, you know, why not give it a shot? Oh, tell me when you first came out here and how, because you were in the city, this was an obviously, uh, place to unwind i suppose it might yeah. be where where uh what do you enjoy doing and where what town are you living in and how long have you been doing coming out here so uh my mom and dad got separated when i was little and i moved to a uh moved she moved to wyoming and so i would come visit my dad for uh, a month every summer and he had a place in watermill mm -hmm. and so that started when I was, I was, I guess, seven was when I started coming here. So now, so that's 60, almost 60 years ago at this point. Uh, and that was Watermill. I got a, I got a house after I moved to New York. I got a house in Bridgehampton here. And I sort of, I, I surf. So I, I spend an awful lot of my time in Montauk. Oh, surfing. you fish? Oh, surf. Surfing, yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I was just remembering um, with uh, what happened, as you may or may not know, is they, the, the wealthy folks in Wainscot refused to uh, accept an increase in the cost of the school. And so yeah. they cut costs. And it reminded me of the very dramatic era, I think you were here for it, when uh, the, uh, uh, the people tried to shut the Bridgehampton School down and uh, they uh, succeeded. And it was going to be closed, but the, uh, uh, the the marginalized people sort of rose up and said they wanted a recount and a revote, and there were different people who didn't vote and this and that, and they did. And then the school was saved. It's now a remarkable school, as you know. I thought you'd knew, know about that. No, I didn't. I I would, you know, until wow, when was it? Like, Might have been before. probably eighty seven, eighty seven, eighty eight was when I moved out here when I had a place out here that was after I'm sorry then we that will scrub that we'll just, <laughs> so, uh, what's what is so famous about ditch plains surfing because I go out there I don't see very big I don't I'm not a surfer although I've been here I've been here since before surfing that was well okay then <laughs> but by the time by the time everyone started doing it I I was I just couldn't get up I was already yeah, yeah. 
out of, out of the range of doing it, and I never was much of an athlete anyway. But I, I never thought of ditch planes uh, as a spot to surf, and I wondered why it's so so important. It's uh, it's one of the it's one of the most consistent surf breaks on the East Coast, and the reason is there's rock there. So if you go left of the jetty on the ditch plains beach, you'll notice it's all rock, not sand. Uh, and the rock extends out and that goes all the way around the point. Right. So, uh, so depending on the swell direction and the wind direction, you can surf anywhere from the point all the way around the ditch plains. And because it doesn't, it's, it's rock. So it doesn't shift as much like everywhere else on long Island, the sand shifts and the waves are breaking on sandbars out there. It's more like a point break or a reef break than a, uh, than a, uh, a sandbar break, and that generally makes for really long, uh, long rides. Uh, on and at the point uh, when there's hurricanes and stuff, big waves. When they when they uh, they did the revetment repairs, which has yeah. just been completed, uh, so many surfers com- said this was going to ruin surfing. Did it, that happen? It's hard to tell, right? Because you got to wait for the swell to come. And now the swell's going to come. The, the The people who really are good, really good surfers care about uh, the big, big wave swell when it comes in. So I don't think it, I, I was out there two weeks ago and in Turtle Cove, which is just this side of the point. And yep. in Turtle Cove, the wave wasn't changed at all that I could tell. The wave hadn't changed at all, but it was a relatively small day. It wasn't a big day. And the question will be when the big waves come. Uh, does it change? You have to interfere. You should go. You should go if you have. Wait for like one of the days when the hurricane swell comes. Well, th- it'll be on the radio. You know, large waves, riptides, da da da. Well, go, on, go out to the point and see what it looks like out there because it's fantastic. Is Turtle Cove on the ocean on the on the bay side or the ocean side? Turtle Cove is on the uh, the east side as opposed to the west side so it's underneath the lighthouse on the east side oh on the east side on the south so it's on the ocean yeah it's on the ocean the harbor seals on the rocks yeah the harbor seals on the rocks are on the other more often on the other side they're on the on the western side what what else do you like to do when when you're out here are you retired now out here and pretty much i'm i'm uh i i uh i do a lot of bike riding um, and I do a lot of time, you know, sort of wandering around on the beach, socializing. I, I, you know, spend a lot of time in Montauk in between surfing. Um, so I spend, uh, that's the, that's the physical side. And other than that, I enjoy, you know, uh, I do a lot of work, uh, oddly still. And I'm, uh, I guess I can say I'm underemployed as opposed to retired. <laughs> uh, so I still have a ton of work I got to do. So I do that. What do you do? What work? Oh, I do. Well, I have the book, which is actually, uh, was a fair amount to write it and is actually a fair amount of work to publish it. So I'm doing that, uh, right now. Cause that's another one. So you're doing oh, oh, I'm, I'm doing this one, right? So the well, process, you know, you record the audio book and you, you oh, have to, you know, try to generate demand through social media. There's a lot of stuff you have to do. So I've been doing that. I have, uh, I still go to Wyoming. My mom's, my mom died and I have her estate in Wyoming to clear up. So I spent a ton of time out there and 
and I'm the, I just took on the job of being the chairman of the Ocean Conservancy. So uh, a lot of work doing there. So I have, you know, and I still consult a bit in publishing here and there. So I, uh, not consulting, consulting, but I have a lot of friends who call me and ask for advice. So I help them. So I'm busy, yeah. Well, thank you for being on this podcast. Uh, It's over now because they say that after 20 minutes, people don't want to hear the same Thing they don't want to hear us carry it on for more than 20 minutes. They're going to poke your their phone and off you'll go. So. Okay. <laughs> it's nice talking to Pleasure you. Pleasure to talk to you. No. Okay. Take, Take care. I'll be in touch. Bye-bye. Bye.